don't assume that what you've known in the past is still true. So avoid believing that you still have the answer. I mean, you may. That's, right. that's the challenge is a lot of what you know about your customers and their behaviors and what they're interested in, or even who they are and where they are. It may be true. Those, some of that information may still be valid and the ways that you've marketed to them in the past may still be useful. But you don't know. That's the problem. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about how the current business environment has further increased companies' needs to leverage and optimize digital, to survive or even thrive in the new normal. The key here is the experience we provide them, a topic anybody who's listened to the podcast knows I'm passionate about, but it's become even more critical today. To help us, we have with us Bob Berry, principal at Answer Lab, where he's working with companies like Google, Amazon, and others to create new optimal online experiences. He's also the founder of the Human Computer Mastermind Academy. Bob, thank you for taking the time and welcome to the show. Chad, thanks for having me. Looking forward to having this conversation. All right. So we always start with a little oddball question and COVID's given us a chance to go really oddball on it. <laughs> always curious. Something that people maybe have gotten involved with at home uh, since you've had more time in this work from home environment. Maybe it's a hobby you've been able to reinvigorate or something you've been able to explore new. Curious what that is for you and why you chose it. Well, actually, it's funny you should ask that because I am getting a lot more involved in podcasting <laughs> uh, because I have traditionally done a lot of in-person speaking, teaching, and presenting. So conferences, workshops, meeting directly with clients. Obviously now with the lockdown, all that's not possible. So still like to teach and speak and share what we know and uh, help people out. So the pivot to the doing the remote work via podcast has been very helpful. Excellent. All right. Well, obviously I'm passionate about podcasting too. So, so we have a shared shared alignment there. So let's start with some context on the new reality, right? That many are experiencing, maybe even if they're not internalizing it yet, but this, um, there was always a big push to go digital, right? That's not new in COVID, but it has gotten even more imperative. So help us understand kind of your perspective on the current environment as it regards digital implementation and experience. Certainly. So yeah, there are definitely a lot of changes happening right now. So virtually every industry, every market segment that you can imagine, whether that's healthcare or education or telework or entertainment or social media, you know, everything now because of the need for us to go contactless and avoid direct physical interaction so we don't spread this virus we've now moved to virtual contact in so many ways. It's hard to imagine areas of our lives and our businesses and our professions that have not in some way been touched by this or in some cases totally transformed. So that leads to a lot of new tools, a lot of new resources, a lot of new innovations that we're experiencing that are coming online or expanding or you know, adapting to this new world that we live in. I have this theory, it's actually more than a theory, it's really something I've witnessed and practiced for decades, and that is that all business outcomes are a result of individual choices that individual people make from day to day. So, you know, in the context of marketing, 
B2B or B2C, anything that can happen as a result of a person making a decision about something that you're providing them. It's an offer or a service or a product or some kind of call to action, whatever it might be. And they have to make a decision in order for any business or any transaction to happen. All of those decisions, all of those transactions must happen within the context of some experience that we're providing people. As we speak, at this very moment, all of those experiences are evolving rapidly, much more rapidly than they ever have since the dawn of the web. And the internet, the web, these experiences have transformed our lives before, and they're in the process of doing it again. So the whole premise here is that as this is happening, and new things are being invented, and people's lives and businesses are being turned upside down, we need to figure out what new kinds of experiences are going to work and what people are going to respond to and how that means, how, that, how we're going to interact with the market and our customers. That's, that's the bottom line. Well, and the word experience, you know, I, I, I spent 10 years in a, a quote unquote experience agency before I started doing what I was doing now. Right. So, and it was always focused on the merging of physical and digital or, or the buyer journey, the customer journey. And we've all heard, you know, customer experience, employee experience, buyer experience, it's not, insert anything experience. And so I've often seen customers and, and, and companies wrestle with this concept. How are you seeing them attempt to, or how are you helping them now put that at the forefront of their thinking experience first, almost? Well, we, we tend to, you know, in my work with Answer Lab and in my work with the itstheusers.com, we take a much broader perspective on what experience means. I think it, within some business context, there tends to be a fairly narrow definition of what experience is. We tend to look at it pretty holistically. So it's the whole narrative, the whole context of an individual's lives, a prospect or a purchaser or a customer, B2B or B2C. And what do they really care about? What's, their, what's a day in the life look like? What's their journey look like as they're trying to accomplish whatever they're doing in, in their personal lives or in their business? And again, of course, that's changing rapidly right now. So we have to start with that. And so we have, there's a lot of processes that we use to develop journey maps and personas and do ethnographies and do really in-depth interviews beyond the interface, beyond the the digital or virtual interactions that somebody might have. So we start with that. And that then puts all of the virtual experiences, all of what we traditionally think of as customer experience or user experience in a more meaningful context about who these people are, what do they care about, where are they going, where have they been, what are they struggling with? And um, that then defines how we create the right kind of virtual and digital experiences for them. Excellent. So this has huge economic consequences, right, around the globe. And and so when you when you think about, I hate to I hate to I hate to say this word, but there there is opportunity in the current environment as well as as the fear and everything else that we're all experiencing. But when you when you think about that, some of these companies have invested heavily, or or would say they've invested heavily in experience in the past. Are you finding them reluctant to do it uh, to revamp all that and do it now, or are they actually seeing the opportunity that reinvesting in the experiences uh, and redefining those are provide for their businesses? So we're actually seeing for the with the companies I work with, and again, it's a lot of the major brands that already have massive virtual digital presence online. And in a lot of cases, companies that have defined this, you know, Google, Facebook, Amazon, FedEx, there's so much of what they do. And in many cases, you know, they're doubling down. They're yeah. really looking at 
what they're going to need to do in order to stay out in front of this. So they're actually increasing their investment okay. in a lot of these areas. They're figuring out new ways to innovate, to come up with new kinds of interfaces, new solutions. And that, that's at the high end. These are the you know, multi-billion dollar multinational companies. But at the other end of the spectrum, we see companies doing you know, small businesses coming up with some truly innovative ways of coping. So, you know, classic examples are, you know, the restaurants that are now doing order online, curbside delivery, you know, that there's a local construction company here where I live in Colorado that has completely transformed everything to video. So they will show you how to video this. You know, if you want to do a remodel, they'll show you how to videotape your space They'll come back with videos on the materials and designs and things. So it's all contactless, all touch-free. They'll do all this interaction online via video, and they'll show you how to participate in that. Just a couple of examples right. of the ways that at both ends of the spectrum, companies are getting really creative, taking you know, existing assets or tools that they have and really figuring out how to... Um, how to make this new world work for them. Yeah, and another example I actually experienced firsthand was uh, Thomas James, if you're familiar with with the tailor. They're actually doing, they do custom clothes, dress clothes and stuff. But the woman that I work with there, they've actually converted to doing digital measurements. And so they don't have to, they usually used to come to your office or the house or wherever, but now it's all, it's all virtual. They can do all the virtual measurements and then send you the clothes, you try them on, you don't like it, you just send it back and it fit it again. It's, it's pretty impressive to see that happen. And so when you think about, you know, companies doing this, how should they be approaching it differently than they were before in terms of understanding, you know, experience and how that's impacting their business? Are there new lenses they should put in the glasses as they kind of go down this path? Yeah, what we've learned is there are actually are some really important best practices on how to do this. First of all, one of the most important, probably the most important thing is to protect yourself, your family, your customers, your clients. So when we do, you know, we all went totally remote at the beginning of March, like a lot of other companies did. So every, we've always done remote workshops, research, remote work. Half of our company was remote before all this happened. And so we just shifted everybody to remote. And the, one of the big reasons for that is because we want to protect individuals from the virus. So whatever you're doing, that's got to be, you know, first and foremost. How are you going to make sure that you're not putting anybody at risk? And I mean, that's really what this is about, but you have to really pay attention to that. You know, your own people, their families, your customers, your clients, anybody that might be involved in this. Second of all, kind of related to that, it's also important to be sensitive to what people are going through. So we usually start anything that we're doing, whether it's a client workshop or whether it's direct research with you know, end users or whatever it might be. We always kind of check in. How are you doing? How's it going? You know, are, are you in the right frame of mind today? Is, you know, you have distractions and of course everybody's working at home. So you've got the cats and the dogs and the kids and the parents and the person outside the window with the lawnmower. And, you know, so this is just the reality now of how we're going to interact because we're all doing this remotely. So you have to take that in mind. And again, you have to figure out in a lot of whatever you're going to be doing, even though you may be creating new remote solutions like that tailor, you have to figure out whether or not your customers for that for clothing can figure out how to use those tools, can make sense out of them, and whatever devices they have and what the environment they're in at home or whatever, and you still have to do that remotely. Another big area 
that we're paying a lot of attention to is data and data privacy because in marketing, we come to rely on customer data and how we target people, the kinds of ongoing ways that we market to them and support them is based on so much data and how much of that data is changing. Right. I think that's a key question we have to start with because so much of our marketing programs, so much of our interactions with customers are going to start with whatever data we have on most people. And we have to start wondering, you know, if a quarter of the workforce has now been laid off and customers are making all these transitions and they've cut way back on budgets, you know, just simple like emails, how many of those emails are still valid? So we have to start wondering how, how much of our data is current, how much of it needs to be updated, and how are we going to do that? Those are just some initial concerns, and there's probably a lot more after that, but those are sort of the first kind of top of mind things we need to be thinking about. Absolutely. And, and so when, to bring it to life kind of for the audience, can you give us an example of, of without you know, staying within the bounds of, of what we're allowed to talk about, but how, you, how you've helped companies like Google or Amazon or other clients navigate this new reality? How are you engaging or how are, you know, what does that look like so we can kind of bring this all to life for the audience? Yeah, I actually, I actually can share an example. Um, I, I, wanna, I actually want to go back to the last economic downturn we had and use an example from that because okay. actually at the moment, Chad, there's so much going on. And we're still kind of at the front end of this. And a lot yeah. of what companies are doing, it's a little difficult to tell yet exactly what the outcome's going to be. It might, those, that might be weeks or even months down the road. But I, I have an example from the back in 2008, 2009. I did a lot of work, work for Deluxe Corporation. And if you're familiar with them, they're traditionally a financial services, financial products company. And they were making a major transition to providing a whole variety of online digital marketing programs and services for small business. And they were trying to figure out how are they going to survive? How are they going to make this transition with the last major economic decline, which happened uh, with the great recession. And so we did a very elaborate, so two or three year elaborate, what we call omni-channel initiative, where we went out and looked at virtually every touch point where they had some contact with both B2B and B2C. Now, this was for small business, so a lot of it was B2B. So they have, a, they have massive call centers, and so we did a lot of research on their call centers. We looked at all of their print programs, catalogs, Sunday inserts, direct mail. And we looked at email, we looked at web, and we looked at their direct sales force. And we looked at all of those touch points and how customers first engage them, how customers move from one of those touch points to another, is the messaging consistent? Are the calls to action consistent? Are the ability to, to transition somebody from a prospect to a customer and get them into the database and figure out how to support them? I mean, it just, it just was, it was very elaborate. And so that process of looking at multiple touch points, how customers transition from one to another and making sure whatever doorway they walk through and whatever room they move to, that they're having a seamless, delightful, consistent experience. We actually were able to drive almost three and a half million dollars to their top line in new business by streamlining and integrating all of those different touch points. And so that's something that, again, that in this new environment, those touch points are going to change people's, what door they walk through, what they decide to engage. Those are all in transition. So your ability to keep a pulse on all of those different touch points all those different channels is going to have a lot to do with how successful customers are. 
Excellent. And and are there things that as companies are engaging in this or, or kind of going through it, things that they should avoid to make sure that they don't head down the wrong path when they, when they engage this way? Probably the biggest one I would encourage people to avoid is, and I, I kind of hinted at it earlier, don't assume that what you've known in the past is still true. <laughs> yeah. So uh, av- avoid believing that you still have the answer. I mean, you may. That's, right. that's the challenge is a lot of what you know about your customers and their behaviors and what they're interested in or even who they are and where they are. It may be true. Those, some of that information may still be valid and the ways that you've marketed to them in the past may still be useful, but, but you don't know. That's the problem. To right. some extent, you're going to have to reconfirm some of that. And in some cases, you may have to completely reinvent it. So the big one is don't rely on knowledge that, um, that may be in the process of becoming obsolete. Okay. I love it. Uh, so tell us more about you. How did you become so focused on experiences and how did that lead to working at, at Answer Lab and the founding of the Human Computer Mastermind Academy? Give us the story. So I, I actually, uh, my background is in computer science. So I've always been kind of, I've always geeked out on technology. <laughs> so I've always, you know, I've loved this stuff. And then I actually worked for Hewlett and Packard for about 15 years back in the day when Bill and Dave were, were still alive. That was a pretty, it was a very different company back then. And that's where I first got involved in experience. In fact, in the early nineties, when HP made the transition to web and internet, I was one of the early e-business e-commerce managers. And we were developing social media, cloud-based services, e-learning, e-commerce. We were figuring out how to invent a lot of this stuff before any of those terms even existed. So it was, it was a lot of fun of being on the front end of that when the web first got invented and, and you know, actually experimenting with this and figuring out how to, how to invent all those new experiences. I actually left HP in 1990 and started a bunch of, got involved in ventures and startups and started a few of my own companies. Actually did a, um, a very innovative education company where we were helping young people learn how to transition to real life. And we invented a lot of really interesting ways for young people to actually simulate what real life looks like. So we did some, some, some you know, real world modeling tools and processes online. And then I started to get more and more involved in doing freelance user experience, consulting development work. When the iPad first came out, right. we developed some, uh, some really fun executive development platforms to help C-level executives learn about their business, manage their people, manage themselves and do personal development. So that was kind of fun. And then... Um, and then I started doing more work with larger companies, you know, like the Googles and the Facebooks. And that's, and I joined Answer Lab about three and a half years ago, just the opportunity to work with some of these uh, major brands. So when people ask me what I do, you know, I tell them that, you know, Google and Facebook and Amazon invent new stuff and I get to take it out in the world and show it to real people. So, <laughs> so that's been a lot of fun. And then the, the, it's the users and the Human Computer Mastermind Academy is really for people that really want to get started in this realm. Because those companies spend a lot of money, spend millions on what they do around user experience and customer experience. And a lot of other companies, small, medium-sized companies can't afford that. So we do a lot of this learning and consulting and development for those that um, want something a little more affordable. 
Nice. Nice. All right. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions at the end of the, each interview. And that means as a, you know, uh, a founder of the human computer mastermind Academy and, and working at answer lab, that means you're a prospect for a lot of sales individuals out there. And I'm always curious to learn when somebody doesn't have a reference or a referral, a trusted way into you, what is it that uh, works on you to capture your attention and build the credibility or earn the right to get some time on your calendar for a conversation? You know, I, I think it's really about understanding who my clients and customers are. So that, you know, if you know who I'm trying to serve and what value that I'm trying to create for them, it's actually, in a way, it's almost like for, for the moment, take me out of the picture. Take a look at what I'm trying to do in the world and those people and how I'm trying to serve them. And that will provide, that will inform and inspire a lot of what, you may be willing to offer me or be able to offer me. And, and that's more likely to get my attention because that's really where I'm paying attention is what's happening in the market and what those people are doing. So last question, uh, we call it our acceleration insight. If there's one thing you could tell sales, marketing, professional services, people, one piece of advice that if they listened, you believe would help them crush their targets or quotas, what would it be and why? Well, I, we focus on these, this whole concept of the, Keys to success. And, and I talked earlier about how all what happens in business and really what drives the global economy are individual people making individual decisions within the experiences we provide them. And ideally, as a business, that's also the source of, of your success. So take a look at what a success factor is for your prospects or your customers within that experience and take a look at what represents a success factor for you within that experience. Hopefully they should be overlapping. If you have any kind of business success at all, how you define success, how they define success should be overlapping. The problem right now is those are moving. Right. Okay. So, you know, uh, Wayne Gretzky had that classic quote about, you know, don't skate to where the puck is, skate to where it's going to be. Right. So look at what those success factors are for you and for your prospects and try to project what the vectors are. Where are they going? Are they diverging or are they converging? You know, in six months or a year, are you going to be where the puck is or are you going to be looking for where the puck has been? And that's an immediate exercise to try to determine whether you're on the right track today with all the changes going on in the world by looking at those success factors and trying to project where they're headed and what vector they're on so you can decide what, what you need to do now and what you might need to do in three or six months. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right, Bob, for listeners interested in talking more about this, where do you want us to send them? Where would you ideally like us to send them so they can get in touch with you and or learn more about the things you're involved in? So everything I'm talking about, I offer a free personalized consulting process. So contact me and I'll talk you through this about your business, your challenges, your customers. And we have a very extensive e-library that's free as well, where you can learn much of this and much more. There's some beginner material and a lot of in-depth stuff go to b2b.itstheusers.com and you can sign up for free and we'll figure out how to get you on the right track. Awesome. Bob, I can't thank you enough for taking time. It's been great having you on the show today. Chad, best of luck to you. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. Check us out at b2brevexec.com. You know the drill. Share it with your friends, families, coworkers. Like what you hear, leave us a review. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. 
To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.